0: Hey, this is Coleman Hell, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight.
1: I guess my first question would be, growing up in Thunder Bay, Ontario, what was life like back then in the, the great Thunder of Bay? It was a pretty nice place to grow up. I was surrounded by nature.
0: Had, I don't know, everything I needed at the time. I mean, as I got more serious about music, found myself wanting to move away, but it was like a, it was a nice place to grow up, you know, just very, very small town Canadian vibes, like going camping and swimming and people drive trucks and play hockey. And that's like our main export is NHL
1: players. Just kind of your traditional small town Canada. Life. Did you have an interest in hockey growing up? like did you play it recreationally or even in a, like a house league? I
0: did not. I was not <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was skating with a chair and like a pillow on my butt. I wasn't even much of a, of a skater, let alone I, I found watching hockey to be quite boring. I didn't fit into the mold of the place perfectly, but I still liked living there.
1: No, that's fair. It's like now when people think of Thunder Bay and they say, well, geez, we got some great hockey players out there, and then someone will say, yeah, well, I'm not really into hockey, but Coleman Hell's from the area as well, and then they'll be like, oh, okay, cool, so they produce more than just hockey players. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of got you into music? I mean, like, because growing up, and a lot of musicians will say, you know, whether they were in school and they just like music class or, you know, someone took them aside and they liked playing a guitar. So what kind of got you into the music scene?
0: My parents never really like put me in any lessons or anything, but my mom worked at a record store when she was younger and was just really into music her whole life. So I was kind of privy to that, that collection of music and I would go through it as a kid and I would read the lyrics. I would just kind of go through that inventory until I had run out. And then I was obsessed with making my own collection. And then I would write my own lyrics. And then I kind of had this Casio piano. And I started teaching myself how to play piano by writing little numbers on all the keys. And then I like saved up for a microphone from... (laughs) like Radio Shack or something and I had those those are the days (laughs) yeah and I kind of like was making I don't know probably what was to be pretty terrible music but I was making I was making songs in my room and I was just such a fan and so obsessed with music as the culture of making music and people who make it and and then I kind of just slowly found little cracks where I could find my way into being part of it. And all I really wanted to do was be part of it somehow. And it was just, yeah, it was just sort of like teaching myself, I guess. And then I, I was so kind of far gone, having learned how to do things myself, that
1: conventional training then was kind of seemed like it would only kind of screw me up. So when you were mentioning about the record store, like what kind of, uh, I guess, records or artists kind of instantly drew you to pick them up and put them in your own collection?
0: Um, I don't know. I think like when I was first listening to stuff, it was like my parents' music which was like Fleetwood Mac and Steely Dan and Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen and the Cars and lots of that kind of music, like old classic rock. And then when I got into my own stuff, I became really obsessed with like rap music, which is still probably my favorite music to to date. So I would listen to like Jay-Z and Nas and Outkast and then some kind of more like obscure stuff, like atmosphere and things like that. The way I was obsessed with music would, would be that I would learn about a new genre and I'd be like, this is like progressive rock or this is shoegaze or this is like noise, this is industrial music or whatever. And I would find out this new genre and then I would look up all the like seminal artists and then I would try to get all their albums and I would listen to them all like almost like it was homework but it was fun I would just want to learn so then I'd be like oh this is like conscious rap or this is like boom bap or this is I don't know and I would go through like all the like different genres of music and try to kind of like absorb it like a sponge or something
1: okay no no that's that's fair those are some like good artists and good kind of mixture between Fleetwood Mac to Jay-Z I mean that's a really good mixture of uh, (laughs) different kinds of music yeah you came out again uh, with your like EP you had two heads it was on your Summerland 2016 CD and thing I kind of want to tie in with this is at the time I was a student at Algonquin doing radio so, we have this mm-hmm. thing called Ear Am, so we play a lot of the, like, hit music, because it's just an internet radio station, and right. you can't believe how many students, and myself included, that really like the song, but uh, of course, and I, and I don't mean this to be mean or anything, because with any song, we have a limited library, so you'd hear two heads maybe at 9 a.m. in the morning before you do a morning show, you'd hear it again at 12, you'd hear it again at 3, you'd hear it again at, like, 6, and I was like, you know what? By the time this week's over, I'm going to know the words to this song because it gets played so much on our station. And then someone else in the class will be like, but it's a great song. I'm like, no, no, you're not listening to me. I didn't say it was a bad song. I'm just saying that it's played a lot on this station. And then when we got to Devotion and Fireproof came out, I was like, okay, we've got a little bit of mixture. It's like, I've never said the act was bad. I was like, I, I love the act, but... I was just like that's it's a very catchy song, but it, like anything, when it, when you hear it a lot, you're just like, oh come on, like give me something new. It was to the point in Ottawa that I had a friend when I was starting doing podcasting, and I would tell them like who we interviewed. I was like Jimmy Rankin, Heather Rankin, a lot of East Coast, and she came up to me and said, I'm not listening to your podcast till you get Coleman Hell on, and I and I was like, challenge accepted. So. Hopefully she's going to listen now when, once I tell her that, listen, we've got them. We got them on. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I don't know. It's like that's that's something that's kind of out of your control. It happens throughout
0: history where, like, there's just a specific song that's just being played ad nauseum everywhere, and you kind of, you go from <laughs> loving it to getting kind of sick of it. Like, I know, I remember when I was listening to, like, I think it was, like, Gnarled Barkley in high school, and they were, like, sending personal emails to radio stations being like stop playing crazy please you're going to ruin it you're ruining the song
1: yeah well it, it, it wasn't to that point coleman let's put it that way like i've I've. It, <laughs> yeah. it was just to the point where i was in a radio environment where if i was just out not in radio and i heard it every now and again on the radio station i'm like oh i love it but like there's so much times when i'm in a radio station where it's like this is the new track we're putting out i'm like okay cool and then by a week later people are like did you hear this track i'm like yes I have and more times than you right. and then they're like oh you don't like it I'm like no I didn't say I didn't like it it's like I'm just saying that it's a lot and it had a really cool twang to it like I like how it has a mixture of somewhat you can classify it as a little bit of what you call modern day country or a bit of hip-hop and, and stuff in it so it, it kind of tied everything together so uh musical genius on the end of this phone Coleman Howe <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk to you a little bit, too, about the idea behind the Toronto-based artists uh, collective Sideways. Can you kind of get into that a little bit, like how that came to be and what was the goal here for that?
0: Yeah, well, it was initially, or it still is basically, me and my three closest friends, and we all just have sort of our own personal art and our own projects and monikers. And then within that group, we've over the years have just sort of helped each other with each other's projects. And it's kind of just been like a hub where it's like, I'll do this song. You help me produce it. I'll write this music video treatment for you. I'll help you do these photos. I'll edit these photos. And then like, so on and so forth. So that, that was kind of like my little music family when I was in, when I first landed in Toronto. Yeah. I don't think I would have, would still be making music if it wasn't for that, that
1: group of friends you
0: know to have it's like a support
1: system now of course you have a new album coming out you have a song called uh Show em. elaborate a little bit more on that because that kind of ties into again your sideways you're teaming up with one of your buddies I believe Latch with this what's kind of your hopes with the song and your new album as well the song specifically I wrote this year
0: and I wrote it really sort of impulsively and I thought it was a cool song and I was like I'm going to put this out ahead of my album it's like a summer song but then we all went into quarantine and then it was all of a sudden like (laughs) this song was out but it was like I thought it was going to be soundtracking a different moment so I mean I totally love the song and I think you know people can if people can enjoy their summer whilst social distancing maybe it's a good song for that, but that that was kind of like the initial idea of releasing it when I did was to have it out for summer.
1: But it will not be on the record. The record is actually kind of a different vibe. It was a bit of a, a different style for you, but a different style than what people are used to. But it's a style that I guess you're very comfortable with. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Because when listening from just say Showem compared to Two Heads, you're kind of like thinking, "Oh, geez, like." The act seems to change, but in your mindset, you're like, no, I've always been this type of artist or very comfortable with this type of music.
0: Yeah, I guess it's like, it's weird because I think that when I was first gaining traction as a musician, I was constantly making all different kinds of music, but like being told that like I couldn't put it all out because it would like confuse people or that it like wouldn't make sense. And I always like begrudgingly kind of went with that. But the more music progresses, it's like if I'm listening to the 1975 or post Malone or like some other person who's like a very successful current artist, the idea of staying in one genre is just completely, it feels like passe and then it doesn't really matter anymore. And maybe it didn't matter then either, but, I think that like people are more open to the idea of it not mattering. So I think maybe now I feel a bit more comfortable being like, I'm not going to just make one kind of thing because I don't listen to one kind of thing. So why would I want to make one kind of thing?
1: No. And and you know what? I love, I love that answer because it's like when, when you see a lot of backlash with certain artists of going a different way, like I'll use the example of just say where Avril came out, would just say complicated to where she is now. People are like, well, she's changed. You use the example of 1975. I love the 1975. Now, does that mean I love every song? No. But for the most part, I do like that from Chocolate to, say, their latest song. It's a little bit different. And if you're and if you're fine with it, great. If you're not, just don't listen. Just go back and listen to what you want to listen to. But right. I, I like those examples because I, even I think a Post Malone interview from a few years ago said that he hopes to one day digest in country. And when you think about that, you're like, really, like Post Malone, country? But if it was like in the 90s, you might be like, no, that doesn't make sense. But today when you have like Russell Dickerson, Florida Georgia Line, even with country that are kind of a little bit pop, I don't even know if there is so much as a genre per se as like closing lines anymore because artists are collaborating with whoever they want. And if you like the song, you like the song. I think that for a long time music was like do these specific genres and
0: then a new genre would come along and then blah, blah, blah. But I think at this point it's like, it's more about just seeing all of those as ways of making music and kind of recontextualizing them. Like if you look at something like Lil Nas X or something, it's like recontextualizing country and like a modern hip hop song that makes it feel fresh all of a sudden again. And and people react to stuff like that. So it's like, taking
1: like repurposing ideas and things i think now more than ever when you just mentioned about genres new genres forming i mean there used to be pop and punk and now there's like pop punk there used to be just like alternative and now there's like alternative rock so you know who knows in a future generation there could be something called like indie pop rock and you're gonna be like what the hell is indie pop rock and and i'd be like well coleman hell owns that genre (laughs) Great. You mentioned about the, the song being a summer song. Now, we're all locked in COVID, Coleman. Uh, how, are, how are you dealing with COVID? I'm living with my partner,
0: so I have someone here with me. So that's nice that I'm not completely alone. So that's been a, sort of a like growing, like a positive growing experience for us, kind of like spending this much time together. Otherwise, I've just been making art. I had all these big books to kind of create content for my new album, uh, called Topanga. And then the quarantine started. So I've just resorted to, I've been painting, I've been collaging, I've been filming like DIY videos in my house. So I've just been having like a fun time doing things like I used to do when I was like a kid in my room and kind of just doing a bunch of making a bunch of handmade stuff. So that's kind of how i've been like occupying my my mind and taking it off of the feelings of despair and anxiety that it's i'm sure haunting all of us right now.
1: Yeah, i, I like your answer there of just the d d uh diy stuff like doing it yourself or and uh just making stuff in your room. What kind of things were you were you making? And do your do it yourself videos have like bloopers? <laughs>
0: <laughs> bloopers? Um maybe, i guess. I guess they technically do cuz there's things i'm not using. It's just sort of, like, just kind of making thi- Like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, like, outsider music. Like, I don't know if you've heard of the artist Daniel Johnson. He was, like, a big inspiration to me when I was younger. It's just this okay. guy who sort of was not trained in any way and, and just sort of made art in his room. And he would rec- make, like, cassettes, and he would illustrate the covers, and he would make little music videos. And the guy, uh, I think his name is, like r stevie moore or something or I'm, I'm maybe mixing up the name i don't know there's like these different artists that, that that did that in like the 70s and the 90s and stuff that i was into before so i'm kind of taking that approach i guess like just m- doing everything by hand and it's going to be kind of sloppy but i i kind of like the humanness
1: of that i guess uh, when i do i don't do a lot of deep like do-it-yourself things there but i remember when i was a kid you're talking about going back and doing things that you used to do as a kid. Now, I used to have a whole bunch of wrestlers that I used to play with and make wrestling matches. And I thought that was like the funniest thing in the world because when I go back and look at old videos, I'm just like, turn this kid off. Like, he's literally, if if they put that up on YouTube tomorrow, as like, you know, like before Brian Tobin was doing a podcast, this is what he was doing in his free time. He was taking out a VCR and introducing you to his toy wrestlers. I'm like, that's going to ruin me. It's going to ruin me, man. <laughs> and the, and then some kid would be like, hey, man, I do that too. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. But, um, you know, just don't just don't ever upload that. But, yeah, I, I think it's cool, like, when people are trying to cope with COVID in some kind of, I guess, a peaceful manner. And it's nice that you have a partner there as well, because I guess that's a lot of an issue that some people are having, that they're, again, social distancing. They don't get to interact with people. I know you have Zoom videos and or FaceTime, but it's not the same thing. So I think when you have a partner there with you or it kind of eases it even just a little bit.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I feel, I feel so many things. I just, I feel very overcome with a billion, a billion different feelings of which everyone's going through right now. So I don't know. I mean, I think the main thing is, I mean, I have been doing things just because i I like to create things or I feel, or it makes me kind of feel anxious, but I think that like, I really like this sort of, I don't know, like a narrative or like a a sort of like a message that I've been seeing around where it's like, you don't need to be productive or lose a bunch of weight or like learn a new skill. Like this is like a traumatic thing that we're going through. It's like, you don't have to like keep the pistons of capitalism (laughs) churning through this pandemic. Like you can just like, be at home feeling scared. That is, like, perfectly fine. And I like that sort of angle on it because I think that, like, that should be out front more. It's like, if you have the privilege, like, if I'm making art, I feel like that's, like, a privilege right now. But it's like, you know,
1: just get through it it's a very i guess an honest answer to things because i mean i've seen things on facebook that were more or less saying during covid like take this time to learn a new skill it's like well what about people are like a little bit afraid or a little bit like i don't want to really learn a new skill i'm terrified here like what kind of new skill am i learning being (laughs) terrified it's like i can't pick up a guitar and play when i'm like worried about you know if i'm going back to work if i'm going to see my my friends again blah 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 and someone was kind of preaching that on facebook it's like well if you're in this isolation for this amount of time you haven't learned anything like it's like well crap on you it's like well what about if they learned that's okay to not be okay yeah. or it's okay to be scared like maybe make a post saying that hey we're in covid are you scared shitless yeah. me too and then people are like oh good there's like three thousand people scared shitless it's like this is great yeah now, I guess just to kind of finish up the the interview here, Coleman, uh, do you want to play a game of... call? It's called How Canadian? Sure. Is this going to prove that I'm not a good Canadian or something? No, it's, it's really a fun aspect. Uh, we played it with uh, Sarah Nurse and a few others on the show. The idea is I'm going to throw out a concept that would only be uh, something you'd only see in Canada, and you have to either come up with something just as good or something that in your own experience. So, for an example... Uh, Again, it's it's not a trivia-based question or anything like that. I've got down. Someone offered me a Timmy's, and I said sorry. Maybe next time. How Canadian?
0: (laughs) So it's Canadian because it's Tim Hortons, and because you're saying sorry.
1: Pretty much, and it doesn't have to be like any like Canadian concept in it. It's just an idea of if you're in Canada and you offered someone even like a donut or a ride somewhere, and they're still apologizing. Like we had splash and boots on, and uh, splash came up with the idea of saying, I was late to this interview because my polar bear wasn't ready. Mm, gotcha. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, I think a, an experience that is similar to me is going to, I go to Tim Hortons very frequently or did, did prior to the, to this whole thing. Okay. Um, and I constantly get in what I would call a Canadian standoff, which is, holding the door for someone and them wanting you to go first and you wanting them to go first and you're just stuck there and who knows how long it'll take until someone gives in and then the person who inevitably goes they're kind of less canadian i think
1: <laughs> you know what i think you've been talking to carlton stone of port cities because i um, it's very eerie that's the example that he gave too not not in oh, really? the aspect of tim hortons but he said like he can think of a time that when you're holding a door for somebody, it's like, what is the a, a measurable amount of distance, you know, when you're supposed to hold the door before they feel rushed? And it's like, even when they rush in through the door, you still apologize, even though you were doing them the favor. It's like, sorry I made you run to get in through this door. It's like, I didn't know yeah. what the approximate distance was. That It's like going from borderline friendly to borderline Canadian. <laughs> it's like, there's a thin line. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely like when
0: someone's holding the door for you, you from that far away you're actually kind of yeah.
1: thinking like
0: what the hell man yeah. <laughs> I can get a door like now I feel like
1: I have to yeah I'm it's it's really it's almost like now I have stuff. to run yeah. to get to the door even though I didn't want to because I could hold the door now I have to at least say hey thanks <laughs> yeah. buddy and you gotta be like sorry I didn't know that you were taking your time and then if there's like yeah. five other people that are in the distance even if they're a measurable way you're like well now I can't close the door on them because it's gonna it's gonna reflect badly on me that I just opened it for this one guy that was five meters away, but you guys now have gained the exact same amount of distance he was. It just gets so complicated. And then, like, you're just like, okay, you know what? I don't want to open doors anymore for anybody.
0: (laughs) Here are two things that were factual, at least when I was, like, 20 years old living in Thunder Bay. Neither of these things probably still happen. But when I was, like, 20 years old living in Thunder Bay, you could A... Use a fishing license SID to get into a bar. Very Canadian. B. You there is a bar called Scuttlebutts in Thunder Bay, and you could use Canadian Tire money to buy drinks.
1: Oh wow, that is okay. See, that just tops it. How am I supposed to come up with another one for that? That is that's truly that is truly Canadian. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can imagine going into a in, into any bar right now and be like, "Yo, uh, give me a brewski." They're like, "Do you got money?" I got a couple Canadian tire bucks. They're like, all right. Or it's like, I want to see your license. It's like, here, here I went out fishing with my dad today. I got this. They're like, will do. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Coleman Hell for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying... I remember seeing Coldman Hell back when they were performing at the Gatineau Beer Festival. And let me tell you, a cold brew in hand and listening to their music, such a great time. You should give it a try one day. Anyway, thanks for listening and good night.